Good to see you. Good to be back. Glad to be here with you. And I appreciate the invitation from Josh to speak on this time in the storm. Of course, we had a time in the storm last night, I think. Uh, at least I was awake for that storm. I don't know if you were. But uh, from like 9 to midnight last night, maybe longer, because I fell asleep eventually. But uh, it was quite a storm. But look at the blue skies outside today. The time after the storm, a time of peace and rest and beauty. But when you're in the middle of the storm, it doesn't look that way. When you're in the middle of the storm, it's hard to imagine those blue skies this morning or the sun shining. When you're in the middle of the storm, it's hard to imagine the joy that comes with a dawn, with the sun rising and the beauty displayed across the blue skies. And our text this morning is about a storm. It's the storm that Paul was a part of. See, Paul was in prison and had appealed to Rome, and so he got on a boat with an imperial cohort, a centurion at the head of it, and they were headed to Rome by ship. Now, now Paul knows the dangers of ships. I mean, he has been in three shipwrecks already. And he spent a day and a night in the sea on one occasion. You know, I think if I'm getting on the boat with Paul, I'm saying, Paul, uh, if you get on this boat, I'm not getting on. Because you've been in three shipwrecks. That's what it, or I'm sticking close to you, one or the other, right? Because you know how to survive. But Paul knows the dangers. And the particular time of the year that they are leaving on this journey to Rome is a very dangerous time of year. They hug the coast of Turkey for a while, and then they go down to Crete, and they come under the soft belly of Crete. And Paul says, hey, we better stay here for the winter. This is going to get dangerous. And they decide, no, we, we're going to head on. You know, there was a, during the winter is the worst time to travel in the Mediterranean. But ships were, had incentive to do so because Rome needed to be fed. And the wheat ships, the grain ships from Egypt to Rome were a necessity. And during the winter, if you brought in a grain ship during the winter, you got an extra significant bonus. And so there was commercial incentive to get to Rome. And as you might know the story, they pull out of Crete and they catch a wind, drives them down to the coast of, or near the coast of Africa. And for 14 days, they are on this ship, drifting with the storm. 14 days in the storm. Some of us know what it's like to be in a storm longer than that. I, I don't mean a physical storm. I mean a storm that comes up on us out of nowhere. A storm that is about chronic illness, or a storm that is about job loss, or a storm that's about a pandemic. The storm lasts a while. And what do we do in the midst of the storm? How do we have joy? How do we have peace in the midst of the storm? And that's, I think, something of what this text is about. In fact, this is a salvation story here in Acts chapter 27. The word salvation, or some cognate of that word, is used seven times in this story. 
It's about God saving in the midst of the storm. As we just sang a moment ago, we never walk alone. Because in the storm, even with 14 days of being driven by the winds of the storm, God is present. And Paul, in Acts chapter 27, towards the end of these days in the storm, Paul says, Acts 27 beginning in verse 21, Men, you should have taken my advice. That's, that's the way you like to hear things come out of people. You know, I told you so. You know. yeah, hey, I've, I've been through this. I, I know what this is about. You, know. you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. You hate to hear that nevertheless, right? Nevertheless, we're going to have some scars. Nevertheless, there's going to be some consequences. Nevertheless, we're going to feel that pain for a long time. Nevertheless, there's always going to be that hole in our heart that we really have a tough time filling. Nevertheless, on Thanksgiving Day, there's going to be an empty seat at the table. Nevertheless, we're going to run aground. But not one of you will be lost. Have courage. Don't be afraid. Yeah, I know we're in the midst of a storm right now. But don't be afraid. God is with us. And God is the God who cares and the God who saves and the God who will not let us be lost. Even though we will run aground. How does Paul have that kind of confidence in the middle of a storm? You know, storms are moments of chaos filled with fear. I don't know if anybody had any fear last night with the with the tornado warnings and wondering, okay, this is unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen. And so fear can become part of us. Chaos surrounds us. And chaos comes in all kinds of forms, not just in tornado warnings. It comes with the loss of friends, the loss of family. It comes with chronic illnesses. It comes with job losses. Chaos creates fear. And the sea is the big symbol of chaos. In Israel, when Israel looked at the sea, it was foreign territory to them. They were afraid of the sea. The sea is where the monsters come from, you might say. The sea is what you can't control. You get tossed around on the sea. You don't know where you're going to end up in a storm. And yet, 
Paul says, don't be afraid. Take courage. Here's one thing we know. Yeah, we're going to run aground, but here's what we know. God is with us. To have that kind of courage in a storm is just astounding, isn't it? I think you can think about your own experiences about how in the middle of chaos, the turmoil on the, in, on the inside is seemingly insoluble. Insoluble. That is, you can't calm yourself down. And yet, some people find a way, find a path to that peace in the midst of a storm. How does that happen? John Wesley, who was uh, the great Methodist minister in England, coming out of the Anglican Church, or being actually a priest in the Anglican Church, he spent a year in South Carolina, in Savannah, and on his trip over as a missionary to the Americas, on his trip over, he encountered a huge storm. And he was so afraid. He, was, he tells the story that he thought he was going to die and he was afraid of dying and he didn't know whether God loved him or not and whether God was going to be on his side or not. But on the ship where there's this group of Moravians, Moravians coming from the central part of Europe, a particular kind of Christian group, and they were on the same ship with Wesley, and they were over in a part of the ship and they were just sitting in a circle and they were singing songs of joy just as the ship was being tossed around and beat up. These Moravians were over there praying and singing and as far as Wesley could tell, they were sitting in peace. But they had this sense of calm about them. They weren't afraid of the storm when Wesley was terrified. And basically, Wesley says, i got to get me some of that. Where does that come from? How do you get there? How do you get to that point where you feel the peace and the storm? Well, the story continues. And something really significant happens in this story at the end. Beginning in verse 33 of Acts 27. Just before dawn, they'd set the anchors down, you know, they, they wanted to slow the ship down so that when it ran aground, that they could run aground, you know, in a uh, healthy way, in a safe way, but there's always the danger that, that the waves would knock them into the, the cliffs or the rocks and the ship would be torn up. And so they've kind of settled the ship and now they're waiting for the dawn and what does Paul do while they're waiting for the dawn waiting for this crisis moment when it's all going to come to a head what do we do just before dawn Paul urged them all to eat for the last 14 days he said you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food you haven't eaten anything now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair on his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God before them all. 
Then he broke it. And he began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. What did Paul do there? You know, the language that is used to describe this is, shouldn't sound unfamiliar. It's language that you might even rehearse every week in this assembly. When Jesus took the bread and He gave thanks and He broke it and gave it to His disciples. It's in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus does that three times in the Gospel of Luke. With the feeding of the 5,000, with the disciples at the table, and on the road to Emmaus, in the home in Emmaus, when He meets with these two disciples and appears to them in the breaking of the bread. And so when Jesus, I mean, Paul does this in Acts 27, we as readers of Luke and Acts, we go, whoa, did you see what just happened? You see what He did? In the middle of the storm, in order to assure and encourage and strengthen those who are about to go through this horrendous event, this horrible, fearful moment where the ship breaks up and people have to dive into the water and grab a hold of a plank and swim to the shore. What does Paul do? He takes the bread. He gives thanks. And he breaks it and begins to eat. I don't think this is just about physical strength. I don't think Paul could, I mean, Luke could have said that in another way. That's all he wanted to tell us. I think Luke wants to tell us there's something really theological going on here. There is really an encounter with God going on here. There is a spiritual sustenance that's going on here. There is a testimony to the Word and the promise of God that when you take the bread and you give thanks and you break it, you engage God. You receive the promise of God. You rest assured in who God is and in God's Word and in God's promise. And you are nourished not just by the food of the body, but you are nourished in your soul. Because in this moment, God says to us, yeah, I know there's a storm. I get that. I'm with you. But in the midst of the storm, here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread and He said, this is My body, which is given for you. I love you. I am for you. On the night in which He was betrayed, Jesus took the cup. And He says, this is My blood which is poured out for you. I love you. I am for you. 
and I will eat this with you. See, this moment on the ship was a moment not simply of physical sustenance. It was a moment when God affirmed Paul and Paul invites us to the table. Paul invites us to eat and be assured to rest in the promise of God, to rest in the care of God, to be sustained by the power of God and by the love of God, and to know that God is with us. And it's in the midst of the storm that we discover the peace. The peace that sustains us. That doesn't depend on the circumstances outside of us. If the peace in our heart depends upon what's going on outside of us, we will never have peace. Peace. The peace that sustains. The peace that calms and soothes the soul is not a peace that depends on the storm. It's a peace that rests in the assurance that God loves us. And this morning, as we come to this table, this is the testimony of God. I love you. I don't care if you're in the middle of a storm, or there's a storm about to happen, or you just came out of the storm. In this bread and in this cup, God assures us that we are loved. And it's in the presence of the, the Beloved that we find peace. Not in fixing the circumstances of our lives but in resting in the assurance that no matter what happens, no matter what storm, we are loved by God. God, we give you thanks for this bread. We give you thanks for this cup. We see your love here. We receive the promise of salvation. We give you thanks for it. Thank you that you have loved us. And Father, pour your love into, your, into our hearts by your Spirit that we might have peace in the storm. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.